0: Welcome, everyone. It is episode number 25 of the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodart sitting in the FGP studios of Cameron Klein's garage with the man himself, Cameron Klein. Cameron, how are you doing on this fine Friday rainy afternoon?
1: Good. I'm glad it rained. We were just kind of talking about that. Uh, Weather had been a little rough. Yes, it's made it a little bit cooler. Um, But it did this last week, too, where it gets a little colder. And then Monday, it's just, it decides to be, uh, you know, 100 degrees again. And it just kind of trickles its way down. And then we restart at Death Valley and we trickle our way down. So hopefully that stops. That's the song of summer. Especially in Pennsylvania. That's the bad part. Like, why? Like, (laughs) can we just get, like, somewhat in the middle? No, we have to go 10 degrees or 100 degrees a 100% humidity. I'm done. You
0: know, after the whole quarantine thing in which we were in our homes and we couldn't really do much, and it would mm-hmm. be 34 degrees and rainy, and I'd be stuck in my room, and it'd be dark at 2 o'clock, I swore to myself I'm never going to pla- complain again about the heat. And All to right. my credit, to my credit, I have not. I'm still going out on my walks when I get the chance, trying to get in my 15,000 steps a day. Nice. And I will admit it's a little hot, and I did buy my SPF 100. But <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they charge thirteen ninety nine for SPF one hundred. For SPF fifty, you can buy it for thirteen ninety nine. Really? Why would I not just what what like what would be the reason that I wouldn't get the SPF one hundred
1: in that case? I don't know. I mean because you want to get slightly tan at all? I think I'm pretty good. I you know, I'd... I mean you're matching your Phillies jersey pretty well right now.
0: <laughs> and that's a great reminder to everyone that tonight is opening night between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Miami Marlins, Bryce Harper. Yeah. Suiting it up, Aaron Nola pitching the night for the Phils. I, I was
1: watching uh, highlights from last season when we played uh, the Dodgers, and he had that uh, that walk off double. Oh yeah, at the end of the night for the comeback. that was Ooh. that was like I remember
0: talking to you after that game, mm-hmm. and you were like Bryce Harper, man, come on, yeah, How that could-
1: was. <laughs> I'm I'm not a big baseball guy, and like I started liking baseball just last year because my girlfriend didn't like Bryce Harper. So I like to pay attention to it. To text her every time he did anything well. To be like, look at what your boy just did over and over again. He to is. Annoy her. I
0: mean, he is the face. I fell of the, in
1: love along the way.
0: He's yeah. the face of the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. And it's great, and I even tweeted out. I was like, "How lucky is Philadelphia? We have Carson Wentz as the franchise quarterback. Yes, yeah, all that. Bryce tweet. Harper yeah. as the fra- uh, face of the franchise for the Philadelphia Phillies. You've got obviously Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, the faces mm-hmm. of the 76ers. And then over in hockey, obviously, can't talk about the Flyers without mentioning Carter
1: Hart, Claude Giroux, Sean like, Couturier. Carter Hart to me is the big one because F- Flyers. They've been other they- than Hextall and and, and uh, Bernie Parent, other than like those two guys." They haven't really been well known for having great goaltending. So this like city, is and
0: starving yeah. for a goalie. And, 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 we, and, and I, we have one. I think we have one.
1: It seems. It seems. Yeah.
0: So, so far, we're going to be uh, mentioning, talking, speaking of the Flyers, we're going to be talking about Oscar Lindblom. Who it just gets the news, just gets better and better for Oscar Lindblom. He beat cancer. He got to ring the bell. Ewing sarcoma. He beat it. Great, Man. fantastic. Now there's some rumblings. There's some rumors. Mm-hmm. There's some speculation. Mm-hmm. He will be joining the team in Toronto and will potentially have the opportunity to play. Chuck Fletcher simply saying, I'm not ruling anything out at this point.
1: You never know. I'm going to say it right now. He's not going to play. I'm on the opposite spectrum <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, I want to tell you, don't get your hopes up. Because <laughs> my only thing is, like, dude, okay, a lot of these guys, you're hearing about how some guys are not being allowed to practice because they're deemed not fit to participate, you know, from whatever, getting hit with a shot. For example, Tuka Rask the other day apparently got hit with a shot, made a little bit of a bone bruise, but then he was fine. Two sessions later, he was back out yeah. there. I think it's partly, in fact, due to the fact that they just haven't been on the ice. They, they haven't been conditioned. Yeah. And I feel like on top of him not have being conditioned from being on the ice, if those guys aren't conditioned and they played a full season, what is How is he going to be able to Well, be I'm not saying he's going
0: to play in Game 1. What I what I do think, though, is if the Flyers were to make a deep enough run and he's out there and he's been practicing, I would not be surprised. Come Easter Conference Final, come Stanley Cup Final, what if he's out there?
1: I'm not saying I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying it's, I'm it's not, going not to happen. emotionally preparing myself <laughs> for that.
0: It is great news that he would be traveling to Toronto. Be, yeah, it is. It I, is, because
1: I think, I, he's a big, I feel, morale booster. That's I mean, exactly what I was going to say. When he came back for, I think it was the Winnipeg game, like the the locker room lit up. Immediately. And I think
0: the locker room it's it's incredible to think this, but if there was ever a year in which a team might go on a big Stanley Cup run and win it, would he not be the catalyst that would put that team an already mm-hmm. very talented team on that track? Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe that if he plays, if he comes back at any point during these playoffs, it's in my mind Flyers are winning the Stanley Cup finals. I I could the story that, yeah. is written. Yeah. We also want to talk about, and we'll get to this in just a moment, uh, the new team. The new team that's coming to the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. Big fan of the name, but my partner right across the room told me, not the biggest fan of the name. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, we want to continue on with the Oscar Lindblom news. Obviously, Chuck Fletcher says, I'm not ruling anything out. You know what else he didn't rule out? The possibility of an extension for Oscar Lindblom. Mm -hmm. Because that's exactly what the Philadelphia Flyers did a little after 2 p.m., just on Wednesday, they announced they had re-signed Oscar Lindblom to a three-year, $9 million contract with a yearly cap hit of $3 million per season. Cameron, this is a bona fide second liner. Easily. And you got him for $3 million a year. Yeah. For over the next three years, one of the budding players in this organization. I, I, I couldn't have imagined better news coming out. Than the Flyers locking up someone who is as integral to their mm-hmm. to their core as Oscar Lindblom is. Yeah,
1: I think the Philadelphia Flyers Twitter tweeted out that Chuck Fletcher literally told him, "You are not going to sign a contract this small for the rest of your career. Like this, this is as small as it gets. After this, you're going to get be you're going to be getting paid a lot more." And it doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't surprise anybody else either. But I remember actually at the beginning of this season, before the cancer diagnosis and everything like that, when he was playing. I was talking to some people at uh, 975, the fanatic, when we were, you know, actually being able to work. And, but I remember actually Jason Mertedis, we were talking a little bit about the Flyers, because it was, I think, the day after the first. It was actually the day of the first game. It was the Chicago game, and wow. we were at the Chickies and Peets. We were leaving the Chickies and Peets as puck the puck was dropping, but he we were actually talking about different players and 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 the younger players of the team. And he pointed out Oscar Lindblom, and he said that the players on that team, he is the type of player they want to play with him. Everybody on the team wants to play with him because the amount of skill that he has, he brings out so much more talent with his line mates. The fact, like you're saying, that we got him for three years, $3 million, is more than a steal. And it's a fair contract for Oscar when you yeah. consider,
0: like, Kasperi Kapanen, who I think would be a very good comp, uh, comparison to Oscar Lindblom, he is getting around the same contract that uh, when he re-signed with Toronto, and I think he's around the same type of player. Oscar Lindblom is 23 years old. When this contract runs out, he will be 26. He will be entering the prime of his career. Yeah. Right where Sean Couturier pretty much was when Sean really blew up on the scene. Mm-hmm. So I think that Oscar is in a position where he's going to be able to not only cash in at his next contract, but I think the Flyers were just so fiscally smart to do what they did, to get it done when they did, and not allow him to become a restricted free agent, and risk a team putting maybe a larger tender than maybe the Flyers would have
1: wanted. Yeah, I remember when we were talking to Eric Reese about it a little bit, and... uh and he kind of teased it, and then I think it was like a, a day or two later, he released this article about what which players does he think will be signed, which of our free agents he thinks will be signed. And the Good number article. one on his list was was Oscar Limbaum and he was like, "This isn't even a question. No, uh, is like, I this think- is the most, this is the easiest one that we can predict that he's absolutely going to be re-signed."
0: It was the same situation we had over the summer when Ivan Provorov and. Trav, uh, travis connecting we're looking yeah. for more money it was like come on we're clearly going right. to pay them it would be insane to not pay them yeah absolutely so, so let's just give them the money mm-hmm. now and get on with it and that's what the flyers have done chuck fletcher said it best and i'll close it with this that he called him oscar lindblom a foundation piece mm-hmm. if that doesn't
1: tell you belief i don't know what would and that makes me feel even happier with chuck fletcher because it seems like okay well this guy knows what he's doing at least slightly, with something like that. Oh, yeah. Because, my word, I mean, absolutely, he's a foundation piece. And you can
0: imagine that the Flyers will be exercising their right to protect Oscar Lindblom when the expansion draft comes because the Seattle Kraken Mm -hmm. have arrived. Mm -hmm. And the Seattle Kraken announced their team name and logo yesterday. And you definitely couldn't have missed it if you were on Twitter and you're a sports fan at any point. The 32nd team... Came out around five PM on Wednesday, I believe, and was like they they teased what was going what was going yeah, to come. Yeah, the
1: release video, which was actually pretty cool. The video
0: is awesome. <laughs> it was I really love really it. Cool, yeah. I actually uh gotten would the Seattle Kraken. I I DMed them. <laughs> I said I'll bring up the. I t- <laughs> I wanted to save it for this because I was like I was just so I love the name and I was so excited about the uniforms. I said, congrats on the name. Excellent logo and jersey design. I'm really kissing some... Yeah, doing some man, really doing some... Seriously, are you trying to get a some job Nancy. or what are you doing? I'm trying to, I'm trying to move out to <laughs> Seattle, obviously. I told them, don't take any Flyers players, but welcome to the NHL, and I'm sure that we'll have a nice rivalry. And they even responded saying, thank you so much, Justin. We really appreciate really? it. Really? That's yes, amazing. They, I mean, oh, that's amazing. I'm sure it was such a great day for that uh, social media coordinator or whoever runs it over there, and they are like, we'll just respond to everyone. No big deal. I'm sure, yeah. But... Cameron doesn't like the name. So why, you said you even love the Kraken. It's mm-hmm. a
1: it's a great mythological creature that is also a squid. It's not it's not that I don't love the name. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. Seattle Kraken just doesn't do it for it you. It doesn't it just like It's uh, not your bi menon. It like my mouth feels weird. Like when I said <laughs> the Seattle Kraken. I don't feel intimidated. I don't feel inspired. It's just like uh can but at I, the same time, I don't. I also don't really know what else I would do. Well, I, I don't really have like any other suggestions, so it's like I, I really have no right to. And I'm not complaining, but I really have no right to judge necessarily.
0: Now, can I read you off some of the proposed names that? Yes. And I just want to see yeah. if you thought okay. maybe there'd be one. Okay, mm-hmm. so the first one was Emeralds, the Seattle Emeralds,
1: eh.
0: Emerald City. I could understand. Why I, they, I
1: get it, but yeah. I, the cracking. Seattle
0: Metropolitans.
1: Yeah, cracking. That's dumb. What? What, like, what, it, what is a metropolitan? Someone who lives in a metropolitan city? That's
0: kind of how I saw it as well. I was like, I don't understand. There so was, the
1: Seattle people is the, what you're the saying. The people
0: of Seattle, yeah. Okay. The Sockeyes. That one I didn't really... I wasn't too sure about that one. Yeah,
1: I'm not a fan the Seattle of Seattle that. Sockeyes. That's just kind
0: of weird. It's kind of like alliteration in a way.
1: I like the alliteration, but i you know, say, go with serpents or something. Sockeyes. The is, Seattle
0: Steelheads.
1: I get it, but what, what is that? What is a steelhead? Is it like a stealer?
0: I, Is it a fish? I, I would have imagined if they went with steelheads, the Pittsburgh Steelers would have probably adopted them as their secondary mm. uh, hockey team. And yeah. then the last one was totems, like a totem pole, the Seattle
1: Totems. I actually kind of like that one.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah that was the I, one I thought you would hate the most.
1: I, I mean, I, I like the the Native American tie-in. Oh, a little bit. Okay, I can understand that. And like, I've actually I've heard the totem. Now that you mentioned that, I've heard that before because all over Reddit they've been like putting up all kinds of. Examples and whatnot of of what they was wanted Washington, it to
0: be was Washington a big area for Native American? I'm not really area. sure. I, 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 should, I should we should look into that. Yeah,
1: but uh, I mean, I'd imagine. I mean, uh, most of this country was yeah. right. Um, I do not know how
0: much of it. I don't know I, what I meant by like populous. I, I think that's what right. I meant.
1: Right, but um, but yeah, because I know like you usually think of like the Great Plains when you think of like Native Americans. Yeah, and I see what you're saying. But yeah, my favorite personally was on Reddit. It was called the Seattle Bitch Pigeons. The what? The Seattle Bitch Pigeons. The bitch is, is the bitch pigeon an actual? <laughs> no, it was a joke. But they made like somebody made a full-on jersey set logos, <laughs> a fake stadium, and it looked solid like it didn't. So they just bad. went forward. They're, they're, they're going to be called the bitch pigeons. We have yeah. the logo,
0: we got the jersey mm-hmm. color,
1: we got the stadium. It's gonna and be like, awesome. like the logo was like a pigeon with like a little paper like sailor, <laughs> 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 and it looked great. No, I don't really, I don't really mind the cracking because again, like I think. The Kraken is an amazing mythical creature. Like it's so cool to me. It just it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. But again, I'll get over that. I'm just I'm being a I'm being a, a Well, you jerk. said
0: you were a big fan of the, the colors, the jersey design.
1: Yeah, I love everything else about it. And again, I don't hate the name. I just it doesn't roll off the tongue for me.
0: Did you think that they kind of align themselves a little bit with the Seattle Mariners? With the logo and it the looks co- that way. And, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how I felt. I kind of like that.
1: Uh, me too. I like I've heard some people say, like, I kinda wish they went with the Seahawks. And it's like, dude, I don't need to see any more lime green. For the rest of my life. I saw those color rush jerseys. I don't need to see them again.
0: I thought what they might do, and I was a little surprised they didn't, the Seattle Supersonics, the old basketball team, I thought their jersey colors might be something that they would integrate in. The Seattle
1: in. Bitch Pigeons were.
0: Oh, were they really?
1: Yeah, green I and I should yellow. have gone with them.
0: BP. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. The Seattle Kraken are here. They will not be coming into the NHL until the 2021-2022 season. So there's going to be an expansion draft. Mm-hmm. Teams will have the option of protecting eight skaters and a goalie or seven skater or seven forwards, three defensemen and a goalie. Why you would only choose eight and then a goalie is beyond me. So, Cameron, as for some of you, as you may or may not know, Cameron didn't exactly start following the Philadelphia Fires until just a little bit later in life when yeah. he got a little bit more of an appreciation we, for hockey. We were a
1: direct TV house. We didn't have Comcast. So I was, I was a peasant listening to the radio.
0: He was a peasant, and he was also a big Dolphins fan watching them just get—
1: Crying a th- lot, yeah.
0: A lot of crying. A yeah. lot of tears. A lot, a
1: lot of pain. I understand that in one. In the early 2000s.
0: But I was a big Philadelphia Flyers fan growing yes. up. I they were probably the second team that I ever fell in love with after the Philadelphia Phillies and then the Eagles shortly came after. Really? Okay. Yeah, I went to my first game ever was a Phillies game, so I began mm-hmm. to love the Phillies. And, like, my my gradual my graduation from dinosaurs into sports goes from <laughs> Phillies and then the Flyers, and I'll, we'll get to a reason why. And then, obviously, the Eagles were almost immediately after. because Yeah, like,
1: I would have thought the Eagles would have been your top one, if not your top two. Well, they two.
0: are my top one today. It's right. just at the beginning, it was definitely Phillies and Flyers. Right. And then, yeah, the Sixers came along a little bit later. Allen Iverson was the only reason I would watch them. We wanted to go back, and we wanted to take a look at the biggest moments in Flyers' playoff history. This is going to be done kind of like our series breakdowns, allow us to tell you a story of a time in which the Flyers were perennially in the playoffs, perennially winning series, and perennially a cup contender. Mm. Cameron, we start in 2000. The 2000 Philadelphia Flyers, for those of you who aren't aware, they went all the way to the Eastern Conference Final into a Game 7 with New Jersey. We will not be talking about that Game 7 anytime soon, but we will begin with their first series of that playoff run, which began with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Cameron. All the, thing I, the only thing I have to say is about this series is it's defined by one moment, one play, and five
1: overtimes. Yep, I mean so, it, it's it's big in their rivalry. It's mentioned every single time they play
2: each other. Penguins were changing. They are able to come out relatively easy. It's Keith Primo at first. Primo cuts into There it is Keith Primo, the much maligned center of the Philadelphia Flyers, wins this game in the fifth overtime. And the Flyers go back to Philadelphia with the series even at two games apiece.
3: For those games. Or and pizza. L- or pizza. And they didn't win that. I'll there. Shot. Score. score! Goal. And Andy Delmar. Cost of well Oh, my gosh. Here comes a play on a three-on-one. Wrecking. Center shot.
2: Certainly a physical hockey. Knocked it
0: away from it. So that was the Philadelphia Flyers 2000 playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Keith Primo's fifth overtime goal and what it set forth into motion was game five. Andy Delmar's hat trick that pretty much all but put the series away. They would win their game six and move on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Cameron obviously... Little Young, we I, I certainly don't have that much of a memory about this series, if right. any at all. I do remember Game 4, though. John LeClaire's very controversial goal in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's anytime you have a moment like that to, as a fan to look back on fondly, you never want to be on the losing side of a five-overtime game, knowing no. it's going to be the longest playoff game, longest game in NHL history. Yeah. And Keith Primo, the way that he ended it, and you're going to hear Keith Primo's name so many times coming up in just a little bit. But Cameron, when you think about... The Flyers and Penguins history. You obviously think about 2012. You obviously think about Mario Lemieux and Jaromir Jager and just all those great players. But this is a commonly forgotten
1: series because of
0: recent playoff series between the two teams. But a true classic,
1: especially when you include that game. Yeah, it is kind of funny because like the game is mentioned all the time, the series is not. No, you know, it's it's just that that goal right there is mentioned all the time. Because uh, like, for example, like you mentioned before. I didn't really watch Flowers as much growing up. Wasn't really able to. The only when I think about that series, I can see it in my head, the Keith Primo goal. That's it. That's but the that's only the thing. only thing I know about that I would know about that series Many until pi- until recently when I started doing actual more research on it and focusing on it and actually reading into it. But um yeah, that's like the, the defining moment of the goal and arguably one of the defining moments of, of their rivalry. Because like you said, it's it's the longest playoff game in history, the longest game in the NHL history, ever. And it was between two, two of the biggest rivals in the NHL history. Maybe the greatest history.
0: rivalry in, in, in the NHL today. Yeah. And it oh, has yeah. that memory. We move forward towards 2003. 2001 and 2002 were not very great, as in the Flyers did not actually do that well in the playoffs. They had a problem at goaltender. His name was Roman Csikmanek, and he would allow so many goals despite having great regular season numbers. Yeah, and the, goal,
1: the problems with goaltending is a, is a is a regular theme kind of throughout these playoffs here series. Yeah.
0: 2003, the Philadelphia Flyers are going up against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they would we'll see the Maple Leafs in just a little bit. But another big overtime goal, this time by my favorite Flyer all time. Let's send it to Mark Recchi, and then to the game seven that would infa- that would
2: follow. David's reacts. It's past to Hanzus. Michael Hanzus to Recchi. Recchi in. Waits the wrist shot. He scores. Mark Recchi, the triple overtime magic, and the Flyers. Have even this series at two games apiece. That is getting it done. Mark Recky. the point the The point the Toronto line avoids The point the The point in! point the So that was
0: game, I believe it was game four. Four in Toronto and then Game mm. 7 back in Philadelphia. Philadelphia getting the series win four games to three over the Toronto Maple Leafs they would lose in the next series. I believe I don't have the numbers I don't have the stats pulled up it was the Ottawa Senators I believe that eliminated us in the next round but Mark Recchi, as I said was my favorite flyer of all time. I just liked his name at first but then you saw <laughs> the way that he played and you realized oh this is a special guy to be watching yeah. and a th- another, again you never want to be on the losing side. Anything past one overtime, you really don't want to be on the losing side of. Yeah, because y- y- you fight so hard to get you there, fight so hard, and then in, in an instant it's over. It's and, all for nothing, and it's all for nothing, and then you have to try and mentally push yourself to the next game. So the Flyers would get uh, a goal in Game Seven. I I, I picked this one because it was actually one of my one of my vivid Flyers memories from back <laughs> in the day. Justin Williams, Mister Game Seven, mm-hmm. making his debut. I think in Game Sevens by. Scoring a big goal against Toronto to make it two to nothing, Philadelphia. Late in the first period, they would ride that to a big six to one victory. The Maple Leafs would come back the next year. We're now shifting into 2004. Cameron, it's my favorite Flyers team of all time. I've yes, mentioned it, it so many times, yeah. and it starts with the New Jersey Devils. Let me just kind of set the scene as if we're doing a series, you know, recap or series remembrance. Mm-hmm. New Jersey had beaten the Flyers in the playoffs in 1995 in 2000, and maybe even 2003. Maybe they actually did. Maybe it wasn't the Senators. Maybe it was the Devils. But the point is that in each of the years where the Devils beat the Flyers in a playoff series, they went on to win a Stanley Cup. So getting over the Devils in round one as a three seed for the Flyers was going to be a big deal. And that's why, as we move into the game five, uh, that you'll see or that you'll hear when Danny Markov scores, it's a big deal when the Flyers finally get over the Devils. But we'll start in game four. Keith Primo... He was a big part of the 2004 playoffs. Here's Niedermeyer.
2: A pass for Rafalski. Rafalski, checks. And the puck sits there for Primo. Who will gladly move up with it. Primo, the captain, the captain, the shot deflected by Primo. He scores! The captain continues to be a major force as he pounds the rebound by Rodor. It's 3-0 Philadelphia. Here's Amante, Malikov for Jamnoff and Markov. Markov, shot, score! Danny Markov from way out! And the Flyers take a 2-1 lead! Primo and Gomez on the faceoff, just outside the line. Malakoff gets to it, banks it out the center. Lang and Brunner will kick it free. Now it's turned over. Empty netter is in! It's all over! The Philadelphia Flyers take a 3-1 lead and are about to welcome themselves to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: There we have it. Game five, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Uh, the Keith Primo goal was game four that put them up 3-1 to in the series. I just was pointing out to you, these Flyers players, they're hugging on the bench as they know they're going to beat the Devils and move on into the second round of the playoffs. This is how big of a deal it was to finally get over that New Jersey hump because of what the Devils had done to the Flyers in 2000 and what they had done to the Flyers in 1995. It was just important for this Flyers team, if they were going to go on a big run, to be able to get over a hump like what the New Jersey Devils had caused.
1: Yeah, that and also, like, I mean, you you said how the Devils have beaten the Flyers in 1995 and all that. They also were just dominating. I mean, the they Devils were. They were, were. were a dominating team in the late 90s and early 2000s. And the other thing, too, was that it was a huge rivalry. And it still is a huge rivalry. I mean, you still hate the Devils more than almost any other team because of that time period. And the thing is that really interests me is that part of the reason why the rivalry is so big is because they are so close. It you take 40 minute drive, 50 or maybe an hour drive, you will be at in New Jersey. You will be at that stadium watching them play from the Philadelphia Flyers stadium. So they are li- literally right next to each other. So there was so much animosity in those playoff series. It was so like you said it, when we when we beat them game 7, you saw the reaction of the crowd, of the team of the goaltender, everything it was—it was like you said—they they looked like they were going to the Stanley Cup already.
0: It looked like it, and you know what? I thought after they won that series, and I didn't even know that much about the history at that time. I was like, oh, this team's probably the best team in hockey. Mm-hmm. So we move into the next series in 2004, Game Five. The series is tied two to two. The Flyers went up two zero in that series. Maple Leafs came back, won the next two. This is the series I like to call the Keith Primo series because <laughs> what he did in Game Five versus Toronto was phenomenal. We're going to take you to Game 5, and then we'll see you right before Game 6.
3: I just send it back along, and it's picked up by McCabe. He lost it. Kicked ahead. Primo's got it. Leach has the angle. Primo protects. just oh. What a goal! What a goal by Keith Primo! The Toronto Maple Leafs. Here comes Gagne with some speed. Centering pass. Score! Primo again! 4-1 to one Flyers!
2: And then he's run into by Dyke. Centering pass comes to
3: Primo! Keith Primo.
0: So there was game five between the Flyers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I stopped it here because I need to set things up for you just a little bit, Cameron. Obviously, firstly, just <laughs> real quick, Keith Primo, my God, he's just the biggest body on the ice. He wasn't like Eric Lindros where he wanted to deal hits. No, Keith no. Primo just wanted to keep the puck away from you, and that's yeah. what he was so good at. That's why when you see Kevin Hayes on the penalty kill and they say, Roy really seems a lot like Keith Primo... For reasons like that, because Mm -hmm. of what he could do when he got a breakaway or when he was on a two-on-one with someone.
1: Yeah, it's a perfect mix of, like you're saying, a big body and also finesse at the same time. Yes. And Kevin Hayes... Mentioned when he first got signed that he's always been used in, in a defensive role, and he said, "I've got some offensive skill. I mean, you you just want, you just wait, wait and see. I got some offensive skill, and he's proven that absolutely. Season. And again, like you're saying, that there is those comparisons between Keith Primo and Kevin Hayes, and he's shown throughout this entire season that that he is a Keith Primo type player, absolutely. But back to Keith going back to Keith Primo, he he didn't have to wear a C for you to know that he was the captain, just because of his play style. Absolutely, I mean, he took absolute control whenever he was on the ice essentially uh, like you said before i haven't didn't really watch flyers as much growing up but when you sent me this video i went on a just rabbit hole tear of keith primo highlights because i, I just feel like there was <laughs> i just feel like it was a moment in history that i just missed and i was like i need i need to i need to see i need to capture that because that's a, a chunk of my soul that is missing I, mean- I found a chunk of my soul that i didn't know was missing and i needed it it's incredible just what he could do on the ice. And, it,
0: I mean, it, it's a testament. I mean, he had great line mates, too. His line oh, mates yeah. for oh, yeah. the two, at least the two, most of the 2004 playoffs were Branko Radivojevic and Simone Gagne. Right. A young Simone yeah. Gagne at that. So, Game 6 is coming along. And I this is probably one of the longer clips that I left mm-hmm. in. Because I remember watching this moment in person. And just my mind was so young. I couldn't even comprehend at the time. What the heck was going on? Uh, so what happens is, obviously, everyone's going to remember the Sammy Kapanen hit. Everyone remembers okay, yeah. what happens to Ka- now? Now, you may not know this. Right. Sammy, Ka- Sammy Kapanen is not a defensive player. But he was used as a defensive player in that playoffs because the Flyers had so many injuries to their defense. So mm-hmm. they asked Kapanen, can you play defense? Kapanen accepted the role. <laughs> so I think what happens on this play when he took this hit was Kapanen, an offensive-minded player, was trying to pinch on a play, right and it did not work. Right. So we'll go to game six, and I just want you all at home, if you didn't see this, hear this moment in person, just listen to Jim Jackson's voice and listen to the craziness as the Flyers are up 3-2 to two in the series. It's in overtime. You're in Toronto. You're trying to close it out, and then Kapanen takes a hit, and then all hell breaks loose after that. <laughs>
2: takes off and finds glass. Kapanen darts it, takes a huge hit. It's
0: I mean, I mean, Cameron, oh, man. Cameron, that's, that's a minute of just chaos. I don't even know where to begin it. Firstly, Jeremy Roenick said this is his favorite goal that he ever scored. You could see it.
1: You could see it on him.
0: In, a, in an, <laughs> Now on WIP, Ray Dittinger and Glenn Macnow have been doing this piece where they bring on these Philadelphia athletes and they do a tell us your story. Right. And Jeremy Roenick, I listened to his one day. And he said, this is his favorite goal ever. Ed Belfour and Jeremy Roenick played together in Chicago. Ed Belfour knew where Roenick liked to shoot the puck. So he tried his best to cover that side of, like, I think it's high to the shoulder. And Roenick knew that he was covering there. And Roenick had scored a goal earlier in game six. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to take my shot there and see what happens. And he put it right past Belfour, ends Toronto. By the way, that goal right there set Toronto on a path. That they did not recover for for nearly 10 years. Where they just couldn't do anything when they got to the playoffs. And really, they still can't do anything when they get to the playoffs. That was, I think, the last time before 2013 or whatever it was. That Toronto would even make it past the first round of the playoffs. So, Cameron, we start off by this one thing. You see the Kapanen hit. I thought yeah.
1: in that moment, I was like, he's dead. Well, I mean, that's what Jim Jackson is saying Like in the clip. He's saying, he as soon as he gets hit, he said, he's up. He, he doesn't, know, he doesn't know where he is. If like, there, he, there's
0: <laughs> a camera shot of Sammy Kapanen trying to get back onto his footing and you can just tell he is so concussed mm-hmm. and he is so hurt that there is just no chance he can be a part of this play I think a flyer actually put his stick out like here grab the stick and I'll pull you closer to yeah, me right but then you get the 201 with John McLaren and Mark Recchi similar to what happened in 2003 Recchi's got a chance to win it I think Belfort probably knew that so he makes sure to cover the side that Recchi wanted to shoot at yeah. gets a save yeah. gets the puck over to Jeremy Roenick Wins game six. It's a freaking sprint of an overtime. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's to me that's like the elevator pitch of hockey playoffs. Like if you're trying to get somebody to want to watch hockey playoffs, and you say, "Listen, I've you have 30 seconds, and you have to convince this person that they want to watch hockey playoffs. You just show them that clip. That clip right there. Yeah. I mean, just just watching it. I mean, my heart. I can feel my heart rate just go up just a little bit. Even though I knew what was going to happen, I've seen it before. The energy. It cannot be captured anywhere else. So the Flyers would move on to the Eastern Conference Final against the Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: This is. One of the most, in my in my opinion, it's one of my favorite series of all time, yeah. watching the Flyers, because mm. they, went, they went toe-to-toe with the number one seed in the East. John Leclaire who had not done anything in the playoffs up until this point, is finally going to get his first goal mm. in the playoffs. And that kind of turns Game 4 around, because the Flyers had a really bad Game 3, and it was 2-1 Lightning in the series. The Flyers would go on to win Game 4. We're going to not as much talk about Game 4, as important as it is as game six. And uh, we'll play that out one for you and when we come back. We'll talk probably more about game six, I feel like. But Keith Primo getting the Flyers back into the series.
2: One the lead. <laughs> one the lead on the near side. Primo Ronick still with it. Gets it away to Gagne. Gagne for Ronick. Let's go. Braymo draws it side with an atronic shot. Let's go!
0: So we're back. That was game six of the Eastern Conference final. A series the Flyers would ultimately lose in seven games. It's a painful game seven for me. It's probably the most painful game I have as a Flyers fan, other than <laughs> maybe Patrick Kane's goal. But, I mean, we were laughing watching Keith Primo do the things that he did. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was silly how good he was. Yeah. We didn't probably see a dominant player performance like that until Danny Breer in 2010.
1: There's nothing I love more than a near side snipe. Just... And, and from the angle that you see it in this video that you have, it. <laughs> It's yeah, I mean, just beautiful. It's right behind the net so you can see the little window that is available oh, yeah. there. You see him coming. You know where he's going to go with it because we've seen this club a thousand times. But every time he delivers it it's still like Ugh. And Nikolai Bowen has his glove raised.
0: You know where it. it's going. Yeah. And Bowen's like, "Oh, I All right, well, I guess that's it." <laughs> Flyers, I mean, that game 6 is, was my first memory. It was like not my first, it was my first great memory.
1: Right, right. I right. remember
0: and I, this is the great story. The that first I had. moment
1: that you remember for the rest of your life, Absolutely. In terms of fan base, yeah.
0: I remember my brother Grant and my dad are downstairs in the family. room. They're watching the game. We were told to go to bed. I just wanted to step and watch it because we were had. We started watching the game when it was dinner time. But this goal, Gagne's goal, it is my favorite Simone Gagne goal up until a goal that we'll talk about in just a little bit. Right, we all know. But the call, I never forgot. We've got a game seven. And that moment just lives in my mind forever. If, if I could forget Game 7, I would. Because in my opinion, that was my, like, that was my first moment where I was like, I love the Philadelphia Flyers. I yeah. love them. Yeah. So that was honestly the last moment for the Flyers for four years. The 2005 season came and went because there was no season. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lockout. 2006 was the year they lost to Buffalo in six games. That was also the year, if you have ever seen the video, it's when R.J. Humberger got absolutely yeah. positively mm-hmm. destroyed on the ice mm-hmm. 2007 is the one flyer season that we, no one we've never mentioned on this podcast and in brief there's a reason why we'd never have and i don't even know how familiar you are with that season that game has two games known to me in my head or no, right i'm sorry three at the end of a nine game losing streak the flyers lost to the buffalo sabers nine to one mm-hmm. and i thought yeah this seems pretty pretty pathetically bad they played the detroit red wings now, these are still the dynasty Red Wings we're talking yeah, about, Cameron.
1: Yeah, the 25 year playoff split berths in a row. Yeah, Dietrich like Nick
0: Lidstrom and, and, yeah. and Brendan Fraser. In their prime, yeah. I said Brendan Fraser. Brendan Shanahan. I said <laughs> Brendan Fraser. I called Brendan Shanahan Brendan Fraser.
1: Detroit Red Wings, home of the mummy.
0: <laughs> so this is a team that had all their pieces. And they right. come into Philadelphia, and you're thinking, okay, we have this, this reserve goalie. We've caught up this one weird reserve goalie named Michael Layton. He never played before in the <laughs> NHL. And, we've got, and we just traded Peter Forsberg, so he's not a Flyer anymore. So we're going to lose this game. And the Flyers win 6-1, to one, absolutely destroy the hell out of the Detroit Red Wing. It didn't make any sense. It made no sense. I had no idea what the heck was going to happen. I have no idea why that happened. So the 2008 season comes. Who did we bring in? We brought in Jason Smith as the captain. Mike Richards and Jeff Carter coming to their own. Danny Breer uh-huh. on the big contract. Yeah. Spurning his hometown Montreal Canadiens. So, what happens when they ended up in the playoffs? Well, they were a sixth seed in the playoffs. Didn't win the division. I think they might have been third in the division that year. And they're going up against the upstart Washington capitalists, as you can see my typo. <laughs> but this was an upstart Washington team with guys like Nick Back- Nick Backstrom, Alexander Ovechkin, yep. Alexander Semin, And a goalie issue, I think, with Cristobal Huey. Yeah. So, we'll go to game three. This was when I thought the new look Philadelphia Flyers had finally arrived and they were going to be a team to compete with for a long time. So we'll go to Game 3, and we'll come back right before we talk about Game 3.
3: Handling his way through in the zone. They set it up. Possible one-timer. Shot taken. They score!
2: Scott Hartnell with a bullet. Loving it.
3: About 20 left to go in his first period. Here's a chance. They score! This most exciting moment in hockey—the penalty shot. Mike Richards one-on-one with Krista Ball Huey in a one-goal game. Richards walks in, he scores.
0: So that was Game Three, Cameron, between the Flyers and the Capitals. And I thought right there, the Capitals had won Game One in over uh, in overtime. The Flyers shut them out in Game Two. Coming back to Philadelphia, this was when the the resurgence of the flyers came back.
1: Yeah, it's funny because when I when you for again you first sent me this video and I started watching it at this point this clip I thought to myself I was like okay this is starting to become the flyers that I know that mm-hmm. I not necessarily grew up with because I was already 10, 11 years old, 12 years old at the point at that point but when I started watching I thought like okay in terms of fandom this is the team that I grew up yes. with I could see it. The Flyers
0: were not supposed to win this series. It looked not at all. it was supposed to be the Washington Capitals. This was going to be Alexander Ovechkin going on his young, journeyed march to a Stanley Cup final and winning something that he would have to wait 10 years later for to even get a taste of that. But Game 4 then comes. So the Capitals have an opportunity to kind of rein things back in, which they eventually would. But this Game 4, this was when I think Mike Knubel, we get to kind of talk about Mike (laughs) Knubel, gets cemented as a big flyer hero. I think Mike Knubel was... A phenomenal player to have in Philadelphia. I really loved him in his time in Philadelphia. He would uh, have a pretty big goal in this series that we, as Flyers fans, have memories like that because of guys like Mike Knuble.
3: Scotty Upshaw, back up to a center's one on the doorstep. Carter, what a chance stop by U A.
2: Carter again. centers U A.
0: So that was Game Four, Mike Knubel's double overtime win to put the series at three-one. Philadelphia. They'd lose Games Five and Six, setting up Game Seven. But before that, Cameron, again, you didn't obviously get the chance to watch Mike Knubel as much, but you said it yourself that as you begin to watch these clips, you're like, now these are the Flyers that I that I kind of mm-hmm. remember the most, and this is what they did. They would maybe go down in a game, and they would in Game Seven as well. But they just you had to really beat this team over the head. I mean, you yeah. had to beat them into a bloody pulp to think that you. Had it over the Philadelphia
2: Flyers. Yeah, it's like
1: fighting an Irish guy. They just keep getting <laughs> up. Like, it's just like, dude, you could do whatever you want. You could break a two by four over its head or over the guy's head, and they're still going to get up. That was the Philadelphia Flyers that we knew at the time. They were very gritty, as we could say. Um, but that's the, to me, I think the best way to describe them, On in all honesty. I mean, I know we make that joke because, you know, gritty, but that's the the best that's way to describe them. They were, they, were. they were very gritty. I mean, our captain was Mike Richards, and he was known for scoring, yes, but he was also known for. for Laying on some nasty hits and being Rest pretty Rest in peace, vicious. David Booth. Yeah, so I, I, I just I, I loved that f- version of the Flyers. To me, it was it was the Rocky version of the Flyers, where every single time you thought they were out, and they just kept coming.
0: And that is how I feel about today's Philadelphia Flyers, mm-hmm. and that's why I can Agreed. watch these highlights and feel like I'm seeing it again. Yes. So we go to Game Seven. The Capitals had won Games Five and Six. They had even taken the scored the first goal in Game Seven, and. They would tie Game 7 after the Flyers get a couple goals back, sets up overtime, and I believe it was, I don't know exactly, I think it was a tripping call on, I forget the player's name anymore, I think his last name might have been Pody or something like that, but it sets up one of the most exciting goals in Flyers history, and a goal that I have, again, just incredible memory of, (laughs) Joffrey Lupul. In his last really big game as a flyer, scoring at the perfect time. Down to Richard. Richard Sabrian,
2: the shot block, watch it back 10.
0: Look at John Stevens jumping up and being all happy on the bench. Just how about that? John Stevens, I love you.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's a change of pace from, from again, what I grew up with, Peter Laviolette, where you might get a fist pump. Maybe. Maybe. Just a, just a little, like, a yeah. Li- yeah. It's either that or, you know, standing on the boards and screaming at the other coach. That that was the most emotion that you Hitting were. the
0: board, punching <laughs> Billy saying. Lano in the helmet. Yeah. <laughs> The Philadelphia Flyers beating the Washington Capitals in seven games to set them up with a one-seeded montreal Canadiens team. And again, we have to mention, this is the same year that Danny Breer had spurned Montreal to go to Philadelphia. So, Danny Breer was like the biggest villain in the world yeah. in Montreal.
1: They, he was, he was, that was the favorite team for him to go to. I mean, he was in contract discussions with them for, for a while. It's his hometown.
0: And then Ed Snyder came down with his cigar in his mouth and his golden cane and Monocle and said how about you come here for seven years and like 40 million dollars and Danny was <laughs> like oh okay yeah I'll do that <laughs> and uh, I'm sure it's a decision Danny Breer does not regret at all I hope not I don't think
1: he does no I mean he's with the organization now I didn't, there's no way he'll he this is this is his home
0: yeah game three Philly Montreal Danny Briere really spurns Montreal with one big goal
2: and now back to Briere, looking heels to prosper back out teaming it no shooting lane, so he gets to prosper he'll fire it, block, bounces free, Breer, scores! Danny Breer puts the Flyers back on top. So we're gonna head to overtime, and here is Carter with a shot, they're tapping, he scored! Oh my, under the crossbar, it found its way in, and the Flyers. Have regained the lead at five to four, and was this shot deflected on the way through?
0: So we played it through. That was the Danny Briere goal in Game Three to give them a two to one lead, and I had Cameron play it through to through to Game Five when the Flyers wrapped up that series against Montreal. Jeff Carter's big goal uh, to make it five to four with just three minutes left, sealing the deal on really a dominant series for the Philadelphia Flyers and putting away the Montreal Canadiens. It's one of those moments where I say, wow, Jeff Car- – I mean, I like that guy, Jeff Carter. It's one of those <laughs> few and far in between moments I had with Jeff Carter.
1: Yeah, like I, I, mean, I said it to you as you were watching the clip, but I was just like I was surprised when I saw this one in there. Not, again, because I get the under- – I, I understand the implications of the goal and what it did. I was just surprised because as – I'm I sure if him. you listen to this podcast, anytime his name is mentioned, we cringe because we think of the oh. –
0: we, we think of the shot that didn't go wide open. But he did score on a turnaround shot that looked like it was going to be flung 10 feet over the net, but
1: for some reason stayed down enough to get And you breakfast. know what my first thought is when you say that? So you can score there, but you can't score when it's wide open. Stanley Cup final there, bud.
0: It's like three players in front of him, and then you got a goalie. And it just the puck just whoosh, right by him. Yep. Flyers win that series. <laughs> they would ultimately lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins in five games. Uh, Penguins go, would go on to lose the Stanley Cup final to the Detroit Red Wings. 2009 comes and goes with the Flyers losing in six games to the Penguins. I, I really was not going to even consider putting any moments of that series in that. The only one I would have put in was just Dan Carcillo's ill-advised fight against Max yeah, Talbot. Max Talbot yeah. and uh, that set Where he the, beat
1: the crap out of Max Talbot, but it didn't matter. It yeah, was no, the principle. It was
0: and, and, the principle. Yeah. You're up 3-0. Why are yeah. you fighting? What are you doing?
1: What are you doing? Come on, Dan.
0: But Dan Carcillo Speaking of it. does have a great moment in Flyers' playoff history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2010 the flyers got the new jersey devils after getting into the playoffs on the final day of the season we know that story so the flyers pull up uh into new jersey win game one then they lose game two they're back in philadelphia for game three and it sets forward just one of the greatest moments dan carcillo probably ever had in his life he couldn't believe it himself he definitely couldn't believe it himself <laughs> and we'll tell you why after you hear the moment
2: the draw to carl and now Gagne, the shot blocked by motto the after it bounces free behind the airs. there's Richards. Get it out the outside net. Got it out in front, and it's a long
0: Carcillo looking left and right, left and right. Who is gonna he come does, and hug me? He and- literally
1: doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he doesn't know. He never <laughs> scores. The Flyers winning
0: that game three to put them up two to one. They would mm-hmm. finish off the Devils in five. And now we move. We've never, you we know, we did not do a series recap of this one
1: because we we mentioned it so often. We do, and and every I think if you know the Philadelphia Flyers, you know this series. This is the series you know. Like you mentioned before that the uh, uh, Simone Gagne scoring and and winning. Game six game against six Tampa. Game six against Tampa. And how that was your moment, your first moment where it, it was a moment you're going to remember for the rest of your life. This series. Is specifically, a series. Sp- Specifically his game-winning goal in game seven. That was that moment for me. I remember exactly where I was when that happened.
0: I think most Flyers do. Mm-hmm. Most Flyers fans do. So, this will be our homage to this series, Flyers versus Bruins. We started off in game four. We're going to let this play out. We're just... Until until Game 7. I want to stop it before we right. get to Game 7. Right, right, right. Um, Game 4, Game 5, and Game 6, you're going to hear these moments. Simone Gagné's overtime goal in Game 4. Uh, Simone Gagné's breakaway goal in Game mm-hmm. 5. The game was like 4 nothing. It was the combined shutout between Leighton and Boucher. Yeah. And Game 6, Danny Briere is going to score to make it 2 to nothing. You're going to hear those moments. And then before, we're going to talk about it, just a little bit about that whole series, and then we'll move to Game 7. But first...
3: On the lead now, here comes Richards. Mike Richards spins it. Late guy, Carl walking in. One more Gagné! He scores!
2: Seymour Gagné! The Flyers
3: survive and force game five. Back to the and
2: that broke his stick. Gagné's in around Leibniz. Simone Gagné breaking in. Gagné scores! Simone Gagné! Four-nothing Philadelphia! Briefly for Philadelphia. In comes Richards. Drops it back to Briere. In comes Gagné Breyer. Back, back,
0: and shoots so, just to recap, for those who wa- wouldn't want to, re- you already know what happens. Simone <laughs> Gagne scores to make it 5-4, Flyers win game four. Simone Gagné gets a breakaway in Game 5, scores to make it 4-0. I only included that goal just because it was the Simone Gagné series. Mm-hmm. You remember, the mm-hmm. one guy you're going to remember from that series was Simone Gagné. Game 6, the Flyers were up 1-0. They have a power play. Danny Briere scores to make it 2-0. Pretty much really taking the air out of the Boston Bruins at that point. I mean, you're going into this Game 7. I, I remember feeling pretty good about the Game 7. I'm also going willing to admit that I was very nervous. I thought that it's great that we made it back. We made we turned this series into something, but to win a game seven in Boston is just insanely difficult.
1: This is actually my, one of my favorite things. So, um, I was on a, I'm blanking on the actual name of the road, but we're by the Oxford Valley Mall, and it was this curved road that you take around. And if you look to your left, there's a uh, Toys R Us. What uh, it was Toys R Us at the time, and I remember that's where I heard it. I heard it on the car radio, and um,
0: you got to hear Tim Saunders' radio call. Oh yeah. I can't I yeah. I don't think I've ever heard it.
1: I freaked out. I, I couldn't believe it. And and I think it was right when Gagne scored, there was still time left. I knew that was it. I knew that like that that was it. We won. We won. The, the Bruins are gonna they're panicking. They are panicking because they're they just had a three 0 lead in this game and in the series and they're losing it. And they know they're losing it, and they're freaking out, and because they're freaking out, they're not going to be composed and they're not going to be able to score a goal. And
0: that's how you beat a Bruins team. Take notes, Elaine Vigneault. Let's go to Game 7. <laughs> and here's
2: Charo with the bomb. Pass save lane. Rebound, Ryder shot. He scores. Five minutes in across the Philadelphia zone. Wide on Carl. Centered it. They score. Lucic going out of the net. Team in caught. Three on two for the ruins. Lucic with the puck. Lucic holds the shot. He He scores. Careening into Richards. Richards hits the ice. Then rings back to the puck. Curling direction, He scores! Dirty but good! They'll just dump it in along the wall. Briere is there. Centering for Leno. Backhand backhander, save. Rebound Hartnell. No. He scores! Woo! They are back! for the puck. Winning the battle. Finds Briere. Briere in all the way around. No! He, he scored! It somehow got in. Woo! Woo! The Flyers have tied this game at three. Go to Richards. Richards is shot. Redirected. Got in shot. He scores!
0: Oh my goodness! It, it like it never does it. It never gets old never watching. Gets old. You could watch it on the TSN network. You hmm. could watch the Bruins broadcast of it, the Flyers broadcast. I, the I particularly
1: like the the Jack Edwards call because he literally straight up says it was one of the biggest choke jobs he's ever seen.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. He he <laughs> says when Gagne scores a goal, Jack Edwards. Maybe I'll even put the clip in right here. But Jack Edwards says Philadelphia for the first time in this series has history on its side. So, 2010, the, we've covered this series, obviously, Cameron. There's really nothing to say. The one goal everyone's going to remember forever. Yeah. That's the one we're going to go to. Mike Richards, dive and goal. The shift.
3: As the tone changes. Hearing the fire.
0: So uh, we we've already talked about this one, Cameron. Mike Richards. It was it's the biggest goal of his life. It's a it's a goal that every Flyers fan remembers. It's again one of those iconic plays. I'm sure someone somewhere has a photo of Richards on the ice diving for that puck as right before Halak makes contact.
1: Yeah, again it's it's uh, every again another thing. It's another
0: one of those moments. You knew where you were. Yeah,
1: and every I feel like era. Like you can say you could define the eras by captain or whatever however you want to define them. But every there's like a different era, right? And every era has their, the shift. And the Mike Richards era Flyers, this was the shift.
0: So the 2010 Stanley Cup Finals, the Flyers and the Chicago Blackhawks, we don't mention this series enough because it hurts my soul to even talk <laughs> about. But games three and four, I mean, we're going to let it play through. Yeah. But the Claude Giroux overtime goal you'll hear, and you'll hear the, the onslaught. I always called it the first period assault yeah. because the Flyers just came out and they buzzed. The Blackhawks for for as much as they could, and I thought after winning Game Four, I really thought, yeah, I really thought they were going to win that series. I still, in my heart, believe they were the better team than Blackhawks, but the Blackhawks were just on a different playing level at that point.
1: They were, they were. It's one of those things of of, there there are levels to this, and the the Blackhawks at the time we didn't know at the time, but they were they they were that was a a dynasty in the making, dynasty team.
0: 2010, Games Three and Four, Flyers, Blackhawks, just sit back and enjoy the music.
3: Back ahead, Danny Briere. Briere sets up Carl. Side of the net to and Score! Giroux. Flyers win. Blackhawks block two of the shots. Here's a Red Red. Score! Mike Richards. Giroux. Giroux swept it across, turning and taking is Ben Riemersdyk centering one that is controlled and swung by Giroux. Blue bucket, but they Score!
0: You heard the Giroux overtime goal to win game three, make the series two to one. Mm-hmm. The first period of game four, the Flyers would win that game five to three. But the first period, the Flyers just assaulted the Blackhawks. I think that was the best they had looked all series, both defensively and offensively. But the goal we're going to talk about is is just that third goal, Giroux sliding in from the back and and just teaming and just finds him. He's not picked up, just slam dunks it right past him. It's just, I, Claude Giroux, firstly, is just a marvel to watch. But that yes. Flyers team, that was a testament to just what these Flyers teams were capable mm-hmm. of when they played at their full strength.
1: Yeah, th- that goal is a prime example of what I like to call a Wayne Gretzky goal, right? And I'm not saying that because he's the best player of all time. But Wayne Gretzky wasn't known for being the fastest skater he wasn't known for being the best deker and dangler he wasn't known for having the hardest shot and being a sniper Wayne Gretzky knew where to be at the right time every time he had this sixth sensibility to be exactly where he needed to be every single time Claude Giroux knew right then and there. yes he was exactly where he needed to be for that play and that's something that Claude Giroux does often and that's one of the reasons why again we always talk about of course we're Flyer fans we're biased but how underappreciated he is. If you go to a game, not watching on TV, go to a game and you watch Claude Giroux play, you will see that ability of him. 2011,
0: the Philadelphia Flyers would go back as the defending Eastern Conference champions. They uh, had a hell of a time with the Buffalo Sabres. And I think that it was a pretty much obvious thing that even if they won this series, they clearly were not the team that they had
1: started out that year to be. No, you you could see, you could see, this to me was the start of the goaltending woes. And you kind of, in the Blackhawks' Uh, series in 2010, you could see where Michael Layton started to, you could see the AHL goaltender in him a little and, bit. And
0: Brian Boucher just not being good enough
1: to win a cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in, in 2011, the goaltender woes become blaringly uh, or glaringly apparent. You can see them clear as day. And yeah. this series, we were outmatched goaltending and we in my opinion got lucky that we won the series.
0: So we'll go to game six. It's a. It's the last great goal from Villiolano as a
1: Philadelphia Flyer. Or could be the last great goal by Villelano, period.
0: The last great goal from Villano, period, as Cameron <laughs> elegantly puts that out
1: there. Those that moment was amazing by Billy Leno. I I like to think of him fondly all the time. I feel bad that his career went the way that it did, but that moment was was amazing. Billy Leno actually did very well in that playoff series, in in that playoff series in 2011. In general,
0: so the Flyers did go into the playoffs though in 2012. I thought they were ten times better in 2012 than they were in 2011. Even going into the playoffs, I thought they're even if they don't win this series, they're a better team than they were last year. Yeah, I agree. And it was thanks to guys, the newcomers. It was Wayne Simmons, Matt Reed. It was uh, even guys like Zach Ronaldo, Jaromir Yager in his one and only year as a Flyer. Sean Couturier became the cross-killer that year, yeah. So we covered this series a couple weeks ago, Flyers versus Penguins in 2012. I could have put the Giroux goal in, but I really think that the goal that kind of dictated how the series would ultimately go was the Vorchuk game winner. Mm-hmm. We'll play that for you now, and we'll, I'll explain why I feel that
3: way. There, dropped it back on. Reed shoved it around behind. Warren check wall there but gets back up to play Taken to the outside and twisted one in front that's jabbed away by the alert flurry and goal another
0: Okay, so we're back to talk about. I just want to quickly mention, Cameron, why I used this goal and not the Drew goal. Mm-hmm. The Drew goal, is more I, I p- think I know. But if they lose that game one, I don't think they win the series. Yep, that, exactly. They that comeback was it. It put a real damper, I think, on Pittsburgh because it was not only the like the third or fourth time the Flyers had had a comeback win against the Penguins that season alone. They lose that game, they probably lose the series in five or six games, mm-hmm.
1: mind you. Yeah, like. Uh... Pretty much to go off of, of what you were saying, again, we mentioned it before when we talked about the series in general and we had the full episode for it. Um, going into these playoffs, the Pittsburgh Penguins were not only favored to win the series, they are favored to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they were the team that everyone was looking at as, you know, here comes Crosby's second Stanley Cup right here. This is... this is, It's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and it's well overdue at that point, too, because, you know, best player in the in the, in the world at the time, but... Um, the other thing too is like you said during the regular season toward the end of the regular season the Flyers were dominating Pittsburgh and so Pittsburgh I think knew that they needed to get they needed to win early if they didn't win early it was going to be hard to try to come back from in terms of momentum and so I I agree with you in terms of that goal was a defining moment if not the defining moment of the series.
0: Flyers would go on to beat Pittsburgh in six games I wanted to show this one I I don't It's a painful, it's such a painful good memory for me mm-hmm. to have. Mm-hmm. Flyers versus Devils 2012. I was actually in Pittsburgh that day uh. because my brother Grant was graduating college. Hilarious. We saw the Briere goal from this German uh, house, uh, like s- sausage house uh. in uh, in Pittsburgh. And he and we had to be told to shut up by a bunch <laughs> of loyal Pittsburgh watchers that wanted to see the Devils beat the Flyers that day. Uh, it's a painful one, but it is such a great w- goal from Danny Breer, and really, ultimately, is Danny Breer's last great goal as a Philadelphia Flyer. Yeah, I
1: think it was—the w- thing was, again, as, we mentioned, as I mentioned before, that we had just beaten Pittsburgh, who was a Stanley Cup favorite. And then so we, we became the favorites almost immediately. Pretty, in terms of Flyer fans' minds, yes. I, w- I certainly was thinking that. And then when they win game one against the Devils, we're thinking— Sky, Here Sky we go. Here we go. Here we go. We knew it. It wasn't just a fluke that we beat Pittsburgh. It wasn't the fact that we just had their number. No, no, no. We're the better team. And we're the best team in these playoffs. And then that fell apart four games later. But
0: we do have the Briere goal.
1: We do have the Briere goal. To
3: the corner and goes to get it. But it's for a check. They're turning away from Zidlitsky. Back to Briere.
1: And it felt so good too. It did. Because it did. Danny Briere was like the unofficial leader. He was. At the time. This
0: was right. this was before Drew was officially made captain. Mm-hmm. And when Briere scored that goal, the veterans the guy that mm-hmm. we had brought in to be that kind of player. The and he, hero, and he the was. The hero of 2010. The hero of 2010. A great player in 2008. He's doing it again. We've got our full combat, our power plays going off. Jeru's this monster that is maybe the best player in the NHL right now. And, you know, maybe Breeze Golf can figure things out a little bit. We just fell off the cliff. And when we fell, we fell hard. Mm-hmm. And it's it's impossible to talk about the rest of that series because Devils didn't just beat us. They outmanned us in almost every way fashionable. The game that pretty much sealed the series was that Game Three, overtime loss that made it two to one uh, New Jersey, and at that point you just knew. 2014, Cameron, this is really where things for you kind of come more in a clear picture. You know, you this is where your fandom really starts to take over. So I wanted to be sure that of all the things I was going to show, I was going to show Wayne Simmons' hat trick in Game Six and a series of Flyers would ultimately lose, but Game Six, one of the most enjoyable Flyers playoff games in recent memory.
3: Now, finessed on by Girardi, taken back by Brayden Shand, right around in front, score! It is Simmons again! On now by Tiemannan to Giroux once more. Hartnell inside the box, rifled right, over to Boricic, drifting in front, for right in front, score! The hat trick!
1: Cameron,
0: well, go ahead, talk about it.
1: So yeah, so like we were just kind of talking uh, as we were watching the clip, you mentioned before about how the Keith Primo hat trick was a defining moment for you because he then became one of your favorite players yes. as a result and will be cemented as that. And what we just watched with Wayne Simmons, that that's a direct parallel with me. That moment when Wayne Simmons scored that hat trick, he will forever go down as one of my favorite players. I I worked the other day. We were talking about just hockey, and, and a friend of mine, a coworker of mine asked me, he mentioned Simmons at one point, and I said, oh, he's one of my favorite players of all time. And he said, really? And I was kind of surprised that he was surprised at that. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, that as a fan, the things that I have seen him do during my come-up as, as a Flyers fan, there's almost no other guy, in my opinion, that, that is one of my favorites. He was a guy who put his heart on his sleeve all the time, and yet he could still had the skill to be able to do what he just did. He still had the skill to be able to get a hat-trick. He still put up a 30-goal season. Yes. And at the same time, he could lay you out and also beat the crap out of you. He was such a, he, I mean, he was— I know
0: He was the last really great grinder I think the Flyers had.
1: Yeah, and the other thing, too, was like, he was a guy who he felt like the big brother of the team. Where if anybody got messed with, he didn't care. He didn't care who you were. He didn't care if you were Derek England, who was arguably one of the best fighters in the league at that time. He didn't care if didn't care you if were you're James Neal. If you are James Neal. He didn't care if you're you're that, that number 43 from Washington. I don't even want to say his name, Tom Wilson. And... <laughs> <laughs> He didn't care. He didn't care. If you if you messed with somebody in an orange jersey, you're getting the business. Yes. And, and you that's know what? what I loved, And it, it really
0: is a shame that ultimately his downfall was the, just the groin injuries and just the little things yeah. that were just
1: nagging that are hard to get rid of. And they come with that play style. So it's, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we couldn't supply him with, with a cupper or just better playoff runs while he was in his prime.
0: And the last moment we have to talk about, uh, the 2018 playoff series between the Flyers and the Penguins. It's a tough one. Uh, I... They lost game 1 7 to nothing. For if that yeah. doesn't tell you how the series went, I don't know what would.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you you didn't show anything from the 2016 playoffs because that was one of the most embarrassing moments in my there was opinion There's nothing as to Flyers show. Fan. That was just for yeah. Flyers fans, they they
0: don't they didn't deserve to make the playoffs solely because of how the fans acted after that. Yeah. Uh, but 2018, the f- game 5 playing Penguins were up 3-1, have a chance to close it out, looking like they're probably going to do it, and what hopefully is a good omen to set forth for 2020. Sean Couturier. he'd already had a hero playoff moment before against yeah. the Penguins, but here comes a modern-day hero moment for Sean Couturier.
3: Wayne Simmons had the puck for a moment. Back to the line. Couturier scores! With 1.15 to go, Sean Couturier gets back in the lineup and puts the Flyers up 3-2. to two. So
0: the, the main reason, Cameron, I wanted to include this moment was because what Sean Couturier did to get back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. The, he had the, the ACL or MCL, whatever it was, that, that injury, clearly was not playing at full 100% much like Ivan Proveroff had not been playing at a full 100% much like how the team itself was not playing at a full 100% (laughs) and I just thought that when he scored in that game five I really thought okay you know what maybe they could fight their way back into this and ultimately they lose in game six but great moment for Sean Couturier who at that point had officially arrived as a premier player in the NHL
1: yeah I'm glad you said that because that I mentioned before the era the era thing, you know, there's there's the Mike Richards era, the Claude Giroux era. To me, that playoff series, when we lost, and, and our, you know, you can argue that we didn't even deserve to be there. um, And I, I can't really, I'm hard-pressed to disagree with you. That, to me, was your signs of the new era. The era that we're seeing currently. Yes. This is where that era started to become born. And largely because of those two players you just mentioned, Sean Couturier and Ivan Provorov. They're playing injured, and yet they're still excelling. I mean, Ivan Provorov is on the bench in tears to the amount of pain that he was in. And yet, he's still our best defenseman on the ice at that point.
0: And with that comes to a close of a recap of the Flyers' greatest moments in playoff history. Do you have a favorite moment that you didn't, that we didn't talk about, or one that you just want to talk more about? Be sure to tweet us on Twitter at CameronKline15 and myself at GoodheartJustin. We'll be back next week as we move one week closer, Cameron, to the start of exhibition play. As a matter of fact, what am I even talking about? Next week, we have exhibition games. The Philadelphia Flyers, I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm saying it now. Philadelphia Flyers will be taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins in count them four days Cameron four days we're gonna have a televised hockey game once again and I I just could not be more excited cannot come soon enough absolutely not enjoy opening day of the Philadelphia Phillies enjoy the series hopefully the Phillies will win the World Series they're gonna sweep every team they're gonna go 16-0 this year I'm telling you right now <laughs> for the Fly Guys podcast this has been Cameron Klein my name is Justin Goodart. be happy be healthy wear your masks and as always let's go Flyers